Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. In every way I relate to you, I consider you more important than me. Today, we're gonna approach God's word as what we believe it to be, the absolute inspired truth of God's word. And understanding that, we're going to use it as the sole authority from which we should see the marriage relationship. Number one, family is the foundation of society. So goes marriage, so goes the family. So goes the family, so goes the world. Here's the second thing. Marriage is the foundation of the family. Because family is the foundation of society, and because marriage is the foundation of family, marriage becomes the building block of human civilization. Marriage is a relationship designed by God. And because God designed it, listen, God knows best how it works. His design is perfect. You are to demonstrate Christ-like submission by following the spiritual leadership of your husband. This means that Christ-like submission is really more about your relationship to and trust in Jesus than it is your husband. You are to demonstrate Christ-like submission by lovingly dying to yourself to meet every need of your wife. Make the decision today that there's one authority that's going to shape the way you view marriage, and that authority is the Word of God. And I don't say that to you to restrict you. I say that to you because there's joy, and there's peace, and there's blessing, and there's life in the boundaries that God's given us in His Word. Amen. Good morning. My name's Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. As you just saw from the video, we're in our current series, Family Matters, from Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be in chapter 6 next week, so you want to come back and and take part in that as well. But this week, we're going to be discussing further what we see the Bible says concerning husbands and wives in that marriage relationship. And I, too, will start like Pastor Vance did last week with my own picture 27 years ago this past July. I know I looked much younger (laughs) to be married 27 years. Yeah. I was a lot more slender in that photo, like most of y'all, so just, you know. Not picking on anyone. Jerry's still, I'm sure, as slender as he ever was. But here's what I can tell you. Since that time, 27 years ago this past July, everything in our marriage has been absolutely utopia. (laughs) 27 years. 
Never one disagreement, never one argument. We've never been even slightly perturbed at each other. It's never happened like that. It's been phenomenal every second of every day of every year. <clears throat> now I'm going to tell you the truth a little bit. That's just not how it is, right? So I got to repent publicly for just saying that. Um, just all kidding aside, you know, marriage is hard. It's two people who got their own thoughts and plans and 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 it's it's always the little stuff usually but i i want you to know today that um it is difficult it's not easy and i and i got a feeling that one of the reasons god put it in his word for us is to help us because we know how to really mess it up um so there have been a couple of times in our lives when i'm sure my wife has wondered what am i doing with this guy i'm sure so I just want to say that to you. What the truth is, though, is that when we started this marriage, we didn't just make a covenant with each other. We made a covenant with God. And what we said was that no matter what would happen in our marriage, we would love each other. We would stay together. That we made that decision before we said, I do. And we have. That's what we've done. And we haven't just stayed together because we said we'd stay together either, even though there needs to be that principle and standard. What shaped that thinking, though, from the beginning is what Pastor Vance talked about last week, and it's what actually sustains us today. And it's what we believe about what God said about marriage and what God says about us and Himself. And so the question Vance last week gave us at the beginning of the message is one that we too have agreed on for the past 27 years. And it was this question right here. Do we have the question? Okay, good. What authority was going to shape our view of the marriage relationship? What was going to shape it? By what authority would that come from? And so we too decided and still decide today that the Word of God has to shape how we see our marriage. And I'm not saying that in a spiritual way to seem more spiritual than you because I'm not. I'm, I'm Got my own issues and my own stuff. Here's what I can tell you, though. You can always trust the word, and we should always follow that as followers of Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Two of us. Oh, three. Amen. All right. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. Some of you aren't used to me, see, yet. But you'll get there. We'll get there. And just to bring us all back to the same page of how the Bible prescribes uh, marriage, and how we were to relate to each other, here's what we've said over the past few weeks, and here's what we said the very first week in this series as it pertains to submission and our relationship with other people. We said, in every way I relate to you, and this doesn't matter what the relationship is, I consider you more important than me. In every way I relate to every person in my life, <clears throat> submission is I consider you more important than me. You know, I started thinking, what would it be like if we all related to each other like that? I mean, seriously, what kind of life would this be? Like, I, I know that heaven's going to be like this, but if we did it here, like if we just started practicing, what would it be like? What kind of marriages would we have? What kind of wife or husband would we be? So let's look together today as we begin, and there are six points, and I don't want to lose you, okay? So six points, it's a lot of points, but it's got to be six because we got a little thing going on with some acronyms, and so I want to hit them all today for you out of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, check out your phone, or you can just look up here on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 22 and read through verse 33, and I'm going to read the passage for us. The Bible says this. 
Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, Paul says. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So let's, let's begin today with a general principle from last week's sermon about how wives are to relate to their husbands. And as we start today in this, remember that the applications that I'm about to give can only be lived out, can only be accomplished as both the husband and the wives are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how we started this whole thing about being submissive to each other and what that looks like in every relationship that we have. That you must be filled with the Spirit of God, else this is not going to happen. Thank you. There we go. All right. Hey, I was here last week. Y'all talked a lot. Let's go. This helps. This adds fuel to this raging fire. So here's what we're going to look at today. Here's the general principle Pastor Vance gave us last week about wives. Wives, you are to demonstrate Christ-like submission by following the spiritual leadership of your husband. By following the spiritual leadership of your husband. Now, how does this principle actually apply to wives? Well, I want to help us today, and I want to give us three applications, if you will, from these verses with the acronym HER. Okay, I'm going to give... One in a minute for the men with him, H-I-M, but here it's her, H-E-R. And this is what these verses teach us about wives and what this looks like. Number one, the H stands for honor God and his design for marriage. Honor God and his design for marriage. Now, before I move on, what I would like to do is I would like to, to really highlight, if you will, these first two words in the point. Honor God. I'm not trying to do what you think pastors do, to be some kind of make everything super annoyingly spiritual sounding comment. What I am trying to do, though, is help us to see that the health and the vibrancy of every other relationship starts with your relationship with Jesus. And your relationship with Jesus is not a Sunday morning event. Your relationship with Jesus is exactly what it sounds like. Your relationship with Jesus. There's talking. There's communication. Sometimes there's not understanding, but it's a relationship that you have with him. And none of us will be able to honor our spouses in any kind of way until we honor God first. The single greatest thing, Pastor Vance says this all the time to us, the single greatest thing that we bring into our love relationship and marriage with our spouse is our love relationship with God. 
More than anything else, there's, there's the, above everything else, what we bring into the relationship that the greatest impact that we need the most is our relationship with God. So honor God first individually. You say, well, we like to pray together. Praise God, do it. We like to spend time together in the Word. Praise God, do it. But please do it separately too. Because <laughs> one of you will depend on the other if you don't. That's just a good word for you. I'm just saying. But also, not just honor God, but honor his design for marriage. So what is this design? Well, in verse 22, Paul says this. He says, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, Pastor Vance last week uh, also taught us that submission, he said, is a yielding of control from the inside. It is, it is us choosing to submit in a Christ-like way of relating to the others that says you are more important than me. I'm not as important as you. I'm going to relate to you in that way. So what does Paul mean by saying this? Well, Walter Liefeld reminds us uh, uh, here in this uh, uh, quote that he gives of when he says, ask to the Lord in the last part of that verse, he says, ask to the Lord does not mean that the wife treats her husband as though he were the Lord. To which everybody in the room say, amen. amen. Listen, you, you may be great, but you're not the Lord. Okay? That's not what he means. But rather that this submission is not an arbitrary capitulation to a husband's will, but a means of honoring the Lord. Here's the truth. Both the husband and the wife submit to the Lord as the Lord. The husband says the Lord is the Lord. The wife says the Lord is the Lord. So here's what that means. The wife chooses to submit herself to her husband based on one qualifier. One qualifier. There's one reason. You know what the reason is? Because God has asked her to do so. That's all we got. Let's pack her up. That's all I got. I don't know another reason because I'm looking around the room thinking why any of us should listen to any of us. But that's not what God said. John Piper wrote this. He said, the submission that a woman offers to her husband is done so freely, fr freely. Okay. I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of times I'd like to ask my wife to go ahead and do it. But, you know, it don't work like that. And it never should. Listen to this, at the bidding of her Lord Jesus. Pastor Vance covered this a little bit last week, so I won't linger here. But in verse 23, Paul further explains why a wife should respond in this way. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the head. What in the world does that mean? Well, the husband's role is to be the spiritual leader. Doesn't mean he's the smartest. Doesn't mean he has the best outlook on life. It doesn't mean that he makes the best decisions. It means that he is the spiritual leader of the home. John Piper goes on to say that this about the husband's leadership or the headship that's mentioned here. He says, listen to this. Listen closely. We don't have it on the screen for you, but listen to this. The husband's leadership means having a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, protect, and provide for his wife. That sense of responsibility will move the husband, will, will catalyze him, if you will, to take initiatives with his wife and children to see that they are cared for. Spiritual leadership means you care about people and you want what's best for them. 
This leadership in the marriage and in the home is never given to the husband for his wants and whims. I forgot that a little bit yesterday during the game. (laughs) My wife makes this. Well, anyway, she didn't make it. But I saw the ingredients in the cupboard. She reminded me it's not about all my wants and whims. You know what I'm saying? In a nice way. As a Christian, God, though, has designated the husband as a spiritual head. He's not the boss. He's the spiritual leader. Or he should be. And, that, and remember, we're talking about people who are spirit-filled here. That's how Paul starts this. Whether it's the husband or the wife, their only way to be able to, uh, to, to be a great spiritual leader is if you are filled with the Spirit of God, because otherwise it's not going to happen. This is quite opposite of what submission is, though, when the husband wants his wants and his whims to be met. It's opposite of what we've talked about these last few weeks of submission. Because submission says, in every way I relate to you, I consider you as more important than myself. You know, it's ironic, too, because in this passage, another person was called the head of something, too. The Bible says that the husband, the, 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 the husband is the head, but he also says in the same verse that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus, as Christ, is head, excuse me, just as, as Christ, who is Jesus, is the head of the church. You see, Jesus leads, he protects, he provides for the church. And a husband should lead, provide, and protect as the head as well. The husband is not the head to push around the wife. Let me get a pen out and note that. I got to say that in the next sermon. 11.15, say that. He's the spiritual leader. He's the spiritual head because of the same reason that a wife freely submits. Because God deemed it so. That's it. God didn't look down and said men are smarter. He knows better. And I'm not saying that to patronize you. I've been doing this 22 years. I've met with dozens of couples, and I've looked in the mirror a whole lot. My wife's a better planner. She has more. She has better ideas. Like I need to hear from her. She, I, heck, her IQ is about 40 points higher, and I'm not even joking. I wish I were. So, wives, H is for honor God. And it's designed for marriage. Second, E is for embrace Christ-like submission even when it's difficult. Embrace Christ-like submission even when it's difficult. You say, Tom, where do you get that? Verse 24, Paul says this. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be their husbands. Listen to what he says, in everything. It's the word everything I want to focus on right here. You see, everything means Everything. Everything, any entity of a totality, that's the definition. It actually could be translated any and every, (laughs) like every single thing and all of them together. The picture here is of the church's submission to Christ. I mean, can you imagine a church looking at Jesus and saying, no, y'all do this. Nah, I think that's dumb, Jesus. We wouldn't do that, would we? Now, Your husband ain't Jesus, so you got a little out there. But he gives a picture here of what it's supposed to look like. 
of how wives should embrace this Christ-like submission to the husband that is spirit-filled, to the husband that is, is, is the spiritual leader. This is important. You see, the church is perfectly loved by Christ, and the love church is a church that wants to submit to Christ. Pastor Vance talked about that last week in our marriages. Being loved brings on a, a, a desire to want to submit. But again, the key word is everything. Everything here is a scary word. You say, Tom, this can be very difficult. I mean, I can follow him in some things, but I can't follow him in everything. For instance, parenting or finances or whatever other big decision-making things there are. See, your husband is not there to overlord. We've already said that twice. This does not say follow every decision he makes because he's always right. He's not. But that's why he needs you to make decisions with him. He needs you and you need him. It's good to talk. It's good to, to compromise. But there lie, lie, therein lies the difficulty. This difficulty may come from, uh, from not compromising. But compromise with your husband. Husband, compromise. Listen, if your husband's a Christian, trust that the Holy Spirit is leading him. Husbands, we have an obligation. The obligation is to those who that we protect to get our wives' thoughts, point of view, and counsel. If we don't, we're at a disadvantage ourselves in the decision-making process. We don't have all the data. When texting came along, this made perfect sense to me. I would read a text, and I would read the wrong thing. You ever done that? You ever read an email and thought somebody hated you? You ever thought that? Like, I need somebody else to look at this and say, Tom, that's not right. Just in general life, imagine in, in a family where a husband and wife are trying to make decisions for their future or for their kids or for themselves. We need the input of everybody involved in the relationship, which is the husband and the wife, not one or the other. Listen, we've got that obligation to protect. And if we don't, we're at a disadvantage. As a couple, we make decisions together and we come up with solutions as equals. We all know there are moments when it's incredibly easy to live out the principle I just gave you. There are moments when professionally things are great in your job or your career. Maybe relationally things are good, even at the home. Things are great, but however, our lives are not always like this 100% of the time, are they? There are difficult times. There are difficult decisions. So what do we do when things get tough? Well, in moments like this, is the, when there's a disagreement, when things are tight financially, when there are hard days with your kids, when you're emotionally spent because of something that happened outside the home, in these moments, how are you going to choose to embrace God's design and believe the best about your family or, or about your husband or in your flesh? Are you going to try to take things into your own hands? This is when this applies, this in everything. Well, things are tough now, so I got to take that back. No, embrace this principle that even when it's hard, in every way I relate to you, I consider you as more important than myself. Even when it's hard, encourage your husband, pray for him, believe the best about him, serve him. Go overboard to let him know that even though the situation's hard, you are all, in, you are both in it together as husband and wife. I got here early this morning, which I usually get here early, so it wasn't unusual for today, but I was over in my office and I was spending time with the Lord and then was going over my sermon for today and I 
I usually try not to look at my phone while I'm trying to do these things, but it, it buzzed twice, and so I picked it up, and it was a text from my wife. And she did exactly, she didn't even know I was going to say this today. She did exactly what I needed. In that text, I ain't going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Personal. Between us. But boy, it was exactly what I needed. Like she didn't even know it, I don't think. The way she encouraged me, it also told me she just finished praying for me. Man, it made me get up here today and want to spit fire out of my mouth. <laughs> and things aren't always great in our marriages, are they? But I'm telling you, God gave us to each other. So wives embrace Christ-like submission when it's, even when it's difficult. Number three, and last here of her, H-E-R, the R stands for recognize who your husband is to you. The Bible says in verse 22, wives to your own husbands. It'd be very simple just to skip right over that word own, your own husband. Here's what I want you to know, okay? This is where I need a big old amen from you wives. If you don't mean it, don't do it though. Your husband is a gift to you. Amen. Amen. I get my wife tonight. She'll be sitting right over here and I'm going to look at her. (laughs) Exactly when I say that. I know for some of you wives, I know this statement may be hard to believe. Now, I know for the men in the room, it's a very believable statement. We actually believe that. We are gifts to you. The Bible says own about the other as well. So actually, wives, you're a gift to us as well. It just didn't fit in my sermon like this because there's no R in him. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same though. But for you wives, some of you just thought, yeah, right. He's a real gift. (laughs) He's the gift that keeps on giving. That's what you're thinking. I know. You see, there's a uniqueness about this relationship that you have. He is yours. He's yours. Paul distinctively uses the words your own and even her in verse 33 when he could have used a regular article like the. He could have said, wives be subject to the husband, but he didn't. He said, your own husband. This your own describes the distinctiveness of single devotion. So here's what I want you to say, ladies. Say it with me here. I'm going to tell you, and then we're going to repeat it together. He's all mine. Got to say it in a southern slang, too. <laughs> He's all mine. And listen, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we, our family, we love to go to the beach. And um, we go there usually once per year. We just love doing it. A few years ago... Now, now you got to imagine, okay, at at the beach, I don't look like lifeguard material, really. (laughs) But the other side of it is is that I don't care (laughs) either. Like, it's never stopped me. Man, I take my shirt off. I'm in the thing. I mean, I'm at the beach, man. Here's what my wife said a few years ago. I'll never forget it. And she said it almost every time ever since. She said, ladies, he's all mine. Sorry, step back. It's my man right here. Right? You know what the truth is, though? She's right. I am hers, and she's mine. God gave us to each other as a gift, 
and he gave your spouse to you as a gift, whether you believe that or want to believe it or not, God thought it was great. God thought of putting me and my wife together when I was born, before I was born, but when she was born, before she was born, there was a little girl in North Carolina and there was a boy in Tennessee that didn't have a clue about each other. And 20 years later, there we sat. God knew what he was doing. Our spouses have been given to us as gifts. I am like no other man on the face of the earth to my wife. And listen, your husband isn't either and vice versa. So recognize who God has given you. Wives, honor God and his design for marriage. Embrace Christ-like submission, even when it's difficult in everything. And then last, recognize who your, own, who your husband is to you. Now, as wives are to demonstrate Christ-like submission to following the spiritual leadership of their husband, there's also a general general principle, and we'll spell it out with him, of how husbands, spirit-filled husbands, are to be are to relate to their wives found in this passage. And here's what it was. Pastor Vance gave it to us. Husbands, you are to demonstrate Christ-like submission by lovingly dying to yourself to meet the needs of your wife. Lovingly dying. Now, this looks like an easy sentence until you uh, until you actually try to do this. And you can't without him. So how does this principle apply? Well, we're going to spell it out with the word him. H, number one, honor God by loving your wife unconditionally. Again, we wanted to start here with honor God because it's just as important for the wife and her relationship with God as it is the husband and his relationship with God to bring that into the marriage to be what it is. Listen, you're going to mess it up if you don't. Honor God first. It's the single greatest thing that you're going to bring into your love relationship with the marriage is your love relationship with God. So honor him first individually. Now, the rest of it, by loving your wife unconditionally. In verse 25, Paul gives the example of Jesus and his love for the church when he writes this. He says, husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now, the word that Paul uses here is the word we all have heard before, most of us anyway. And if you haven't, welcome to the party. The the Bible here uses the word agape. That word agape is a word that only was brought about when God brought it about himself. No man is able to do it. No woman is able to do it. No boy, girl, no human being is able to agape without God. When God lives in us, now we are able to agape people correctly. Agape means to willfully love with a choice, with deep affection, willfully, actively, intentionally give love to each other. John MacArthur describes Jesus' love for us in this way. He said, God loves because, now listen, this is so good. Don't leave home without this, okay? Because the objects of his love need to be loved. I just want to let that soak in for a second. You think God loves just because he's God? I mean, that may be an answer. But it also, he knows that the ones to which he wants to love need it. This Bible basically says that where we really screw it up, guys, and where we really mess this whole thing up is by not understanding that your wife needs love. We understand we need love. We got that one down. And our wives are pretty dang good at it, to be honest. Most of them. I don't know about yours, but I'm, you know, I can't speak for everybody. But my wife's excellent at it. I seem to be the one that has a problem with understanding she needs to be loved, too. And that's what he's talking about here. That we are supposed to love them intentionally with everything that we got and have. Not because they're attractive or deserve his love, but because they 
need to be loved. People say, you, you know, when you date, people say, I, I, I need to, like, I want to date somebody attractive and built, or, or, you know, like a six-pack like the lifeguards got. Well, listen, it'll all go away eventually. <laughs> Just saying. I have no stamina to work on that anymore. Listen, we don't love people because they're attractive. And you'll find out very quickly that when someone's only attractive, it'll never make you stay. There's got to be something deeper to God's agape love. Paul's exhortation or command is that the husband love his wife in the same way, intentionally with thought, actively with his words and actions, and willfully with an on-purpose love. Not simply a feeling that stimulates a selfish desire, but one that puts her first. That hurts us, fellas. (laughs) You see, most men never saw that example. Maybe in their own life, you would say, my, my dad never did that for me. I never saw my dad do that for my mom, and so I don't really know how that goes. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's not an excuse. And here's how I know it's not an excuse. Because I did see my dad do all those things. He still does it. My mom still doesn't go to the grocery without him. I don't even know what that's about. It's weird. Like, I'm like, why do y'all still go shopping together? Listen, when I was little, I would come home. Listen, there wasn't a day my dad didn't come home. I would watch my dad. He would go straight from the door, straight to my mom, who usually was in the kitchen preparing dinner for us. And he would put his arms around her. He would kiss her. And, you know, the older I got, it got more awkward for me because, you know, you couldn't have friends over. You never knew what mom and dad were going to tell you. Yeah. And then you can go back to eighth grade and people start talking about how your parents, you know, are doing something. When what I thought they were doing was loving each other. Turns out that is what they were doing. I tell you that, I tell you that to say this. I'm not as good as my dad at this. And I did see it. I had the example. Here's what I know. If we're going to do what God's asking us to do here, we're going to have to choose to do it. It's not going to be just because we had an example. I'm so fortunate to have had the example, but I haven't given my family the greatest example that my dad gave me. But my boys, if and when they get married, have no choice but to love them agape style. We don't either. So I'll... Husbands, honor God first, H, by loving your wife unconditionally. Second, the I stands for invest in your wife with a desire to see her become more like Jesus. Invest in her. This idea of investing is an interesting concept for marriage. To invest means to add value into something, to make it more valuable. The investment of love into your wife, it purifies her. This investment of love into her purifies her. And by pure, we mean makes her love Jesus more, makes her care more about the things of God. And here's how Paul said it. He said in verse 26, so that he might sanctify her. He's talking about Jesus and the church, having cleansed her with the washing of the word so that he might present the church having no spot or wrinkle, but that she might be, excuse me, would be holy and blameless. And this word sanctify means to clean. It means to purify, to make clean. But notice 
the next few words dealing with, the, with sanctifying after this. He says, having cleansed her with the washing of the water of the word. The husband should be a help to his wife's spirituality and not a hindrance to it. A man whose life is opposite of God's word does not help his wife in her walk with God. In fact, he probably hurts it. He said, there's, there's a possibility that your walk is a great encouragement for her walk. Not that they're not separate because they are. But I'm telling you, if your wife walks through and she's looking for the spiritual leader and she notices that every day her husband's got the Bible open and saying, God, I can't without you, I promise you she's going, me either. Now, she may already know it. I'm just saying, she's encouraged. And that's what the Bible's talking about here with this washing of the word. Jesus' own life from the Gospels even still washes each one of us today. Just like Jesus in the church, the husband is, is, is there for the wife in that manner. Listen, when I read the Gospels, I have to ask myself this question. What in, is in Jesus' life that's not in my life? His life challenges my life and our lives every single day. But then Paul challenges men to see, in verse 28 and 29, their responsibility when he says this. So husbands should love their wives. As he loves his own body, nourishing, he says, and cherishing it. I don't have to ask this question, but I'm just gonna. Y'all like yourselves? Do you, I mean, do you? I mean, do you care about you? The answer is yes. When you get hungry, you eat. So do I. When I get thirsty, I go for water or my favorite Coke Zero. Yeah. When I get sick, I take medicine. If it's really bad and something's about to really, my arm's about to fall off, I go to the doctor. Listen, whatever need I got, if I can get to it, I'm going for it. Are you? The Bible says just like you love yourself and care for it and nourish it, that's what it should look like for your wife. He uses the word nourish. He said just like you nourish your own body. The word nourish, is it, it, it means to cause to grow. You are to be someone who nourishes your wife. Water makes plants grow and lack of it makes plants die. Nourishing your wife with love is a biblical reality and is, and is good for her. He said you should also cherish her like you cherish your own body. Cherishing something means to lovingly protect and to care for it. When we cherish our wives, we show for them, we, we show care for them in every single way, in sadness, in sickness, and even in rejoicing. And that's what we do for ourselves. We cherish ourselves. He said, cherish your wives. Now, as a side note, and to bring those of you in the room who aren't married into this conversation so that you don't think it's just for us married folks at the time, single men, Perk up. When dating a woman, her purity should be the single most concern. Now, I realize there's a possibility as I speak to a couple, two or three thousand people today, there may be someone sitting with somebody else who isn't doing this. And so it could be awkward right now. I thought of that. But I thought maybe we should say this anyway. When dating a woman, her purity should be the single most concern. And if it isn't, then your love really isn't love. It's 
lust, but it's not love. Single ladies, if he's more interested in you physically than he's interested in you spiritually, then he's not the guy. Move on. I got two daughters, and that's what I tell them. Move on. I'll help you move on. Tom, would you pray for him and me? I need to know if he's the guy. Not that guy. No. I'm going to pray for him, but not like that. (laughs) Then there are those people who are single who want to spiritualize everything. You know, they say stuff like, well, let's study the Bible together, thinking that'll help us and thinking that'll help them in their walk with God. It could, but let me tell you what else might happen. Your heart and his or her heart We'll begin to grow together in much the same way that could lead to way too much intimacy, even in that. You say, Tom, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. I should be able to read the Bible with anyone. Well, listen, I remember my wife and I were dating. I couldn't stop looking at her. You know what I'm saying? I sit beside her just to rub my arm on hers, you know? You know what I'm talking about. Don't look spiritual at me. Last thing we need to do is get intimate on a, with the candles lit and the room dark. That's the last thing needs to happen. Oh, but we're reading the Bible. What, for now? Yeah. This becomes more apparent when you have five kids is all I'm saying. I mean, you, you start thinking, anyway. Final note here, when we as husbands are filled with the Spirit, we're able to sanctify, we're able to cleanse, we're able to wash our wives with the water of the Word. And, and it, but when we aren't like that, when we're not filled with the Spirit, when we're not leaning on God to do in our own flesh, though we have the ability not to, we also have the ability to defile them. We have the ability to make them unclean in in a spiritual way by the way that we live, by affecting them with our carnal mind and our actions. And when we do that, we're not loving them and we're not honoring them the way that we should. I know our wives still choose that, but listen, guys, we have a, a great effect on them to help them in their own walk with the Lord, just like Jesus did with the church. When we do this, we malnourish our wives. We don't cherish them, and thereby we take them for granted as an asset that needs... Instead of being closer to them, we push them farther away from the Lord and their relationship with him and walk with him. Listen, if she's not loving Jesus more and using her gifts more, then we're not being the husband that she needs. My pastor back in Florida used to say, if, if your wife's not smiling, it's your fault. And you know what? He's right. Because I've seen my wife where things on the outside were just a whirlwind and difficulties everywhere. But as soon as she got near me, when things were good with us, she was smiling. I don't know why that is. I'm just telling you that's how it is. You have a great impact on her. So invest in your wife with a desire to see her become more like Jesus. And last M, model sacrifice. Model. That's a verb. Model it. Model what it looks like in verses 25, 28, and 33. I don't have a lot of time to go into all that. But basically, here's the thing I want you to know. True love is sacrificial. If you look in verse 25, it talks about Jesus, that he loved the church and gave himself up for it. You notice that those are 
those are past tense verbs. And you say, Tom, what difference does that make? Well, that loved is past tense, it's alluding to the fact that after that, here's what came. Jesus died for us. He gave himself up for us. Jesus' love for the church caused him to let go of all self-preservation in lieu of doing what would help us the most. And you know what would help us the most? His death so that we could live. And that's how much he loved us. He modeled what sacrifice is for us husbands to be able to see this is what it looks like. Jesus is probably never going to ask us to die physically, especially for the same reason that he did for us. But he will say, die to self. When I die to self, my wife and I's relationship is phenomenal. When I'm trying to take just for me or she's trying to take just for her, that's when things go awry. He gave himself up for us. This word gave himself up means to turn over a person. In other words, Jesus gave himself up for us. He turned himself in for the punishment that he didn't deserve that we deserved. You see, honoring God by loving your wife unconditionally means being a self-sacrificing husband. It means giving up yourself for the sake of her need. And I know I'm a husband. We don't think about it all the time, but I'm telling you, the Spirit of God in us thinks about it every moment. Jesus thought of the church before he thought of himself. And so should we. Not when it feels right. Not when you just get along. Not when she meets every need you have. Not when she lives exactly the way that you want her to live. But always, unconditionally, and without pretense or expectation when she has a need. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul gives us an example of how God loves us. He says in, that, in those verses that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and nothing should separate us, our love, from our wives either. Here's what he said in Romans chapter 8. He said, for I'm convinced, listen to this, I mean, this is, this is jam-packed, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love, agape of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from His love, from Him. And in the same way, nothing should be able to separate our love from our wives. Husbands, Honor God by loving your wife unconditionally. Invest in your wife with a desire to see her become more like Jesus. And then last, model for your wife what sacrifice really looks like. We're not going to come, we're not going to have a come forward invitation. If at the end of the service you want someone to pray for you, you're welcome to come up here. You're welcome to go to the uh, welcome center, the uh, uh, next step center out in the foyer to my right. But what I want to do is I want to close kind of like we did last week. And I just want everybody to bow your head for a second. And I don't know if you're married or not. If you are, then this will apply to you specifically. If you're not, maybe you will be someday. So just think through these things as well. And if you know somebody that's married or struggling, you can pray these things for them. But I want to pray three things today. And we're going to do it rather quickly. Number one, pray that if you're a follower of Jesus today, pray that you would submit yourself to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Listen, and filling and indwelling are two different things. You can be saved on your way to glory, but not follow Jesus 
with your everyday life. And that's what the filling of the Spirit is. Like, allow Him to live His life through you. So ask God to fill you and then to give you the wisdom to listen to Him and obey. So do that right there, whether you're husband or wife or if you know someone. Ask God to fill you or them. Secondly, today, maybe on the way here, these kind of sermons are always awkward because somebody got in an argument before they got to the campus today, and so it feels weird. We're talking about this. I didn't love like I should. I didn't say the right thing. Just ask God to help you to know how to say I'm sorry. Ask Him to give you what you need to be able to straighten this out. Ask Him also to give you grace to give to your spouse in case they were the one who got her going. So ask ask God that right now as well. And then last, very simple. By name, I just want you to I want you to thank God for your spouse. If you're not married, thank him for godly people in your life who are married. But just thank God for your spouse right now. Lord, you're the ultimate gift to us. We would have never come after you. God, thank you for giving us also the gift of our spouses. God, I pray that we would not just be grateful, but God, we would be attentive every day to the fact that they are gifts. Lord, thank you that you have deemed it necessary that marriage would make culture go a certain way and that culture would make the world turn. God, I pray we'd see it as as important as you do. We pray these things in Jesus' name.